My name is Good afternoon. My name is Dale Marshall, and I want to welcome you to the Kitchen Sink podcast. It's it's been a while. We had some um, hiccups uh, technically, and um, so some of the podcasts that we we actually recorded, uh, we, we had some issues with it, so we had to kind of. Um, scrap them, but that's okay. Um, I have Kimberly Case to my right. I have Abigail Walcott and Natasha Marshall. So normally we try to brainstorm and figure out there is so much to talk about. And we usually try to brainstorm and think about things that would be good topics. And we, it's so interesting. I think we have really good topics during the podcast, but I think we also have some pretty interesting conversations, um, in between the podcast so because we're like don't really have a topic we just figured we would just kind of improvise and just kind of see what comes up because like i said even when we're not recording a lot of a lot of the things that we're talking about are are pretty um interesting fascinating and significant so so yeah so earlier today we were um i was throwing out some ideas and you know um i get um a lot of different things popping up in my news feed, and there were a couple of things that popped up. You know, Abigail and I went to a, um, a Tony Rock concert like last Saturday, and he he was really good. He was really funny, and it was just interesting. He talked about how he researches like anything that he creates or makes a joke about, he does the research, and so he's very current with his um his jokes for the most part. So if there's something going on, you know. Um, at that at that point in time, he's going to bring it up, and he had brought up the um, what was it the the Alabama brawl? He brought <laughs> up a couple of that? things. Well, he he <laughs> said what I think a lot of us said was that watching it was, um, it felt nice to just see. <laughs> he's, very, he's very proud that black people stood up for black people. Yes, and he was he he said it made him want to be that type of person. Right. He saw something happen to a black person to step up and, yeah. and, and stand up for them. Yeah. And um, I think we live in a generation where people don't step up. People just record. And the funny thing is the whole thing was recorded. From every angle. Right. From every angle. And he talked about that. And he was he said the woman should, I don't want to steal his joke, but he said the woman should, they should give her a job on ESPN. But um, commentary. Commentary, yeah. But I... Um, I feel like that goes on a lot and you know um it doesn't that wasn't probably the first time some situation like that occurred you know uh where again white people navigate and they move through this country like they're in charge and they run things because they are and um i mean i can't argue with that and i i think um but they but they kind of present like when you bring it to their attention or you, when you confront them it's always like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And, you know, when we get, when we push back, it just, I don't know, we always get the short end of the stick. It always makes it seem like we're the ones being problematic. Like we're the ones well, you being difficult. Because you're bringing, you're bringing the situation to the forefront instead of just going along with it, which is what they really want you to do. So when you are talking about, um, like, for instance, people always act like they don't understand the, the, terminology when we when we say white privilege well i'm not privileged i have to go to work every day well yes adults do that right but your privilege is not in you not having to do anything 
that's not where it comes from. And it's like, well, you know, how do I have white privilege? You're doing better than me. And it's always like, that's an affront to them as well, because they mm -hmm. have a space for black people in their minds. And when you don't fit into that space or it doesn't go in, it's like, well, I don't have privilege yeah. because I don't, I don't have the power to subjugate you personally and directly. So mm. therefore I have no privilege. And so, yeah, so then they get very, very confused because unless they can see how they can dominate you personally, directly, right now in your face, then it doesn't exist. They just refuse to acknowledge that it exists on any level, anywhere, at any time. Well, the fact that they can, they don't see the consequence and they can speak up and not feel that there will be any consequence when they're speaking out is the privilege in itself. Right, but they don't acknowledge that because right. America is a free country. And freedom of speech. And freedom of, we got freedom of speech in this country, right? And so they don't acknowledge that as something being unique to them because of course you colors can say anything you want. Well, until they see the video of an example of mm -hmm. a little white girl sitting in the middle of a crowded train station and folks come up to her and say, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And then you put a little black girl in the middle of subway and station and everyone walks by her and she doesn't exist. But and then they're appalled. Right. And then it's like, well, why are you appalled? Right. Because I would never, and it's always like the 15 people that they interview um, are supposed to be some sort of exact, like a larger, because that's what statistics ways, isn't it? Like if you, the, the belief is that if I interview a hundred people, they are an accurate representation of, a, you know, of the world at large. They are microscopic, microcosmic right. representation of larger society. And so the idea that like these 15 people speak for all of the, of the other, you know, the non melanated individuals, right. They, it somehow, Oh no, this is, this is just insane. I cannot believe this. I don't understand. And it, and it's, it, it's so baffling to me that all of a sudden they get conscience on camera. Mm -hmm. They feel for humanity on camera, but I do wonder what happens when, when nobody's watching Yeah, because I've seen it play out far too often. I, I worked at Johns Hopkins for years. And I, we would sit in meetings and we would talk about our census, right? And so they would say, oh, Kimberly, we're giving you such and such on nine south. And, oh, you should just be careful. She's very high maintenance. And they ask for a lot of things and they need a lot of, and not like literally without fail, it was a non-white mm -hmm. female child where they were just like, oh, she's so high maintenance. The child wanted some glue, you know what I mean? Like. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but it was always that, that language and that terminology, how like just off the rip, this kid is problematic because she's not willing to just sit in the hospital room and do nothing for days on end while her parents are working. She doesn't have any procedures, but she's still not well enough to go home. Mm -hmm. But because she's asking for things or she used more glue than they allotted for her, she becomes high maintenance or, or problematic in some way. I've seen it play out in schools where I have two kids who are literally exhibiting the same behaviors, but well, at least he says he's sorry. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he tore up the classroom. Child A didn't say he was sorry, but child B did. So child B is better. And I'm like, 
No, child B is manipulative. Like, mm-hmm. and I would see like the extra layer, and they would be like, oh, Miss Case, you know, we're gonna work with them, but child A, you wanted to suspend. And invariably, child A was black male child, child B was Caucasian male or female child. Yeah. And so it was always just like, how? They, they can never see it. It's a switch. They I just can feel never like see there's it. a switch that automatically just go, it shifts. It just, there's a bias. There's right. just a built-in bias, and they're not aware of it. That's one of the things that I send to all of my patients, you know, all the cognitive biases, right. you know, because that's something that... We, we talked about that before. Yeah, too, yeah. Right? The, you know, um, because a lot of people don't even realize that they have a bias. And I, I just think they're just they're just conditioned. And they're, they're, there's a connection that, you know that when they see white children, I don't know, it's, it's There's just, a presumed innocence. Right. There's a presumed right. innocence. When we, we, we mentioned earlier, the Mormon mom influencer who's up for um, child abuse charges, child abuse and neglect charges. There is a presumed innocence that comes with being not a person of color. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking, mm-hmm. I was watching the news the other day and they're talking about the six-year-old who shot the teacher, right? They're still, and, and should he be in trouble? Yes, because where did he get a gun from? Mm-hmm. And why weren't the parents engaged? And I am not in any way condoning this black mom and her child and what's going on with them. But I do think it's funny that literally a year later, this this mom is still in court proceedings about the shooting of a six-year-old, like the six-year-old mm-hmm. accidentally shooting his teacher. And they're like, oh, mom failed a drug test. And I was just like, it's literally everything. Yeah. It is, and I don't know if they tested her for heroin or if they well, tested her for like weed. She she was convicted for lying on her gun permit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So saying she's never done drugs or whatever. <laughs> so I guess because she tested positive for whatever drug substance, they determined she lied on her application, and that's what she was convicted. Right. And I and I and I'm not. Should she be in trouble? Absolutely. Because I don't want somebody who's addicted to anything running around with a loaded weapon. I don't. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I just see there's a difference in how they handle cases involving black families versus everybody else. It's just like, really? We, yeah, really? It's always a double, it's always been a double standard. There's a video of a black elementary school girl. I think she has like special needs, but she's with the principal at the door and the security guard, the police is standing there and the principal's like, you gotta come in or out, you can't keep the door open. Um, it's a security breach, the school's not secured. And so she stepped outside and the principal's like, come on in. And so then the principal finally gets her to come in and then she goes to the other side and she's like, I'm leaving, I'm going to meet my mom. And this policeman just comes and just like- Tackles her. Manhandles her and get down and stop resisting. And, and the principal's like, yo, can you not, manhandle her like that, like right. allow her to stand up and and people were talking, they were like the principal should have did more, mm-hmm. the cop was excessive, and you know, she has why wasn't her parents contacted? Why was the cop there to begin with? Exactly. Right. right. From the jump, the cop was there when the principal was talking to her. Mm-hmm. So now would the cop have been there if it was a non colored person? Can we just say just there because black. she was black. I don't know if they were white. They, I don't know. You know I don't know. Would the cop have been there? But the cop was there from the jump. And you could see in his reaction, 
it was just like, oh, I'm tired of this. Right. And right. That's like, yeah. why are you being so patient with this little black girl? Yeah, with a child. Exactly. With, with a child? Exactly. So, but, okay, so then this is a weird twist, though. I, I routinely have children who have mental health challenges who act out in school and we, the police are called, not by me, because my job is to keep them in the community, but mm-hmm. by the school staff, which if you deem it necessary for the safety of other children in the school, I'm not going to argue, but I am going to wait, right? Routinely, the cops are called and they go, oh, she's calm, she's fine. And I'm like, I can't get a much needed intervention for a kid who's obviously having mental health episodes but like you slam a kid who's on their way to go see their mom like i don't i don't well, understand i don't understand what's the point of calling the police officer if it's not a violent encounter situation so you're calling the police officer to do what is they're there a crime to put them in no there wasn't a crime but they called them to put them in handcuffs and possibly have them an emergency petition mm. for hospitalization i guess mm. So, to take him to the hospital so for evaluation. at this point, I don't even think cops should be allowed to come to schools to do that to students I, anyway. I because you zip tie when you're out in the field with multiple people and y'all don't have handcuffs for everybody. You zip tie them, right? Right. So why are you handcuffing these kids? To traumatize them. I think that it's tra- I think it's traumatizing porn. I think that a lot of them get off on it, and I think that is a way of asserting their authority and mm-hmm. and they're they're scaring them. Right. They, intimidation, they, they fear, intimidation of, of, of right. authority, of police right. officers, and they don't want anything to do with you. And then they disrespect you, and then it gets the, the whole level and the cycle yep. of going over and over at the police. Yeah, because right. your introduction to them is one of negativity. Well, they don't care about that because we should be instilling respect for the cops and fear in their children. Well, right. I mean, if they fear me, then maybe they'll act right. But you're a civil right? servant. Like, they you're don't care about that, servant, Then that, you shouldn't be a civil servant. But but where does civil service protecting and like that just doesn't fit with their role in the black community? Period. No, at all. It doesn't. It doesn't. Then I have we never... need to rethink how we're training them. We. I'm not. No, no I'm not saying. <laughs> you know what? You're taking it personal. I know it. No, saying, no, no, I'm not. Saying, I know exactly. I'm what not you're saying, saying that. I'm saying somewhere the ball is being dropped in in the beginning. It, but. Then again, we can't really say that, can we? Because we've seen them use restraint with who they want to use restraint for. Oh, I'm going to put you back on that. The yeah. training is there. The training is they're there. Just but not choosing, they're just the choosing, choosing to implement it with who they want when to they implement see fit. it. I just with. don't think that, I don't think it's a choice. I, so I, I, I agree think- with you, but I don't think it's a choice in that way. I think the training is there. But I do think they are trained to see black people as a threat. I think they are trained to see us as not innocent. I, I do because it happens too much across the board. It happens too much. A white guy approaches uh, an HBCU. He approaches a black church to go in, and they turn him away because of fire martial stuff. And then he shoots up three other people. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you have the governor that comes and speaks at the rally for the people who get killed and the black people boo him. And it's just, and the, and the guy says, the black guy speaking says, well, your policies in place are making this violence against my community something that's more, more of a regular occurrence. And the governor just shuts him down and doesn't agree. And like, it becomes a big, a big thing. And then they bring out the one black person 
in vicinity who I think he's like the attorney general or something something and he goes oh that black man was just ludicrous and he didn't say that black man all oh, that black man was insane and then you see what his whole family system looks like but the bottom line is that anytime we try to say look the policies that you have in place are problematic the training that you have in place is not the same across the board look at the incidences of what happens when they take black youth black people into custody versus how you deal with these other groups like it's insane to me well i think they that, are i think they are trained but they're trying to profile that's exactly what i'm saying profile that's exactly they profile what blacks as being a threat yes whereas they profile whites as just having a bad day right let me find out what's going on with them right. let me right. find out what's happening right. so I was watching, um, I love Ayala Van Sant. And so, you know, she interviewed the the girlfriend of, what was it, Philando? Right? Uh-huh, Philando Castillo. Yeah, and, um, and so she, of course, she told the whole story again. You know, they had video of it. And then you had this police officer, and he's pretty popular. He has a documentary because he had a history, how he kind of rose up through the ranks. And he was corrupt, but he he came there and he spoke with them and he said the same thing that you said it's not an issue of training he said and, and he and he told iyana because she was like what do you mean he's like let's stop saying that it's training because That's exactly what I'm saying. because they are trained right. they are trained very well exactly when they when they step out of that training when they they um they don't act appropriately appropriately with that training. We need to, we just need to hold them accountable. Right. That's what we're not doing. We don't need to spend any more money. They don't need sensitivity training. The training is good because like you said, it really depends on the perpetrator or the, the individual that they're going to um, attend to. It really depends on what the profile of that individual. If that person has a profile that's familiar to them that they can relate to, that they feel safe with, they're gonna do all that training comes into play. It's gonna be perfect. They're gonna they're gonna to talk to them, they're gonna ask them questions, they're gonna to try to de-escalate. As soon as that person's if the person does not look like someone, but this is the thing too. We have trained or black police officers do the same. Because it's trained. It's well, but it's trained, but this is the thing too, because we they bought into the hype. Don't get me wrong, I think to some extent. Because, mm -hmm. you know, like we all, you know, know, had friends or have family, we know. So, but this is the thing, we can't walk around acting like just black people commit crimes. Black people are not the only person, people on this planet that commit crimes. Indians commit crimes, Hispanics, Latinx, whatever, they commit crimes. White people commit crimes. I can go down all the different ethnicities, whether they're British, English, Irish, Italian, all Italian love you they all commit crimes they all do they, and so asians oh i'm not gonna leave you out no. i know you can add two and two so can i but guess what y'all commit crimes too not all of you but some of you but for whatever reason it just seems like we get that award like somehow the in their minds the percentage of criminals out here is that's that's our department and like we have no other we serve no other role like we have no other purpose and i'm like i'm tired of that because we do have another purpose there's a lot of there's a lot of positive black people and so i think again then i'm gonna wrap up there's a lot of black people that want to disassociate from that right right we don't want to be boxed up 
with people that choose to do the wrong things right. and bad things. Right. But I, I, we have to be careful because I don't want to align with people, right, right, that have that negative, that built-in negative perspective right. of us, and 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 use that that perspective and and and, and those biases to keep us down and oppress us. And I think, unfortunately, some black people get wrapped up yeah, in that. Do. You know, and they and they perpetuate that, and they feed into that. So then you got a white guy being like, "Look, my my, you know, my, my partner exactly. He says the he same knows. thing too. He knows. So it has to so be I'm right. Not racist. Because exactly. This exactly. one black guy validated everything. Yes. Exactly. Why is it that if a white person commits a crime, society looks at it black, white? Everybody looks at it like, well, that's just them. They're just one bad apple out of a right. gun. But if a black person commits a crime, it's... It is that's indicative black, of every... The whole culture. The whole it's everybody. everybody. The whole diaspora. That's, that's because they don't them. even stop to say if they're African or Caribbean or what. Like, it's every... It, they, it's the entire yeah. span of yeah. black people. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. As black people, we take on the entire... Everything. Everything for one individual or group of and one event. Whereas white people, they're like, "Oh, no, that's just them. That's right. not us. That's, that's that that's person. Them. That's just them. Right. Going we on. definitely yeah. don't paint all white people with the same brush. And we, for whatever reason, in this country, cannot get the same. We no. just don't get the same allowances. We don't. We don't. We don't get the same allowances from anyone, and that's it's frustrating. It is extremely. Uh, frustrating and I don't even know again I don't even know where to be it's so this thing is so layered and it's been going on for so long you know I think in our last um you know podcast that that we didn't uh upload I talked the about they didn't make it yeah the one the two didn't make it yeah <laughs> um <laughs> you know I was talking about that uh, and I'm sorry I'm forgetting her her name is escaping me now but it's called the um the, the some of us Mm -hmm. that, you know, um, and again, she talked about how just real quick, she, she like, you know, if America, you know, decided, you know what, we're going to like make it our business to not intentionally and purposely um, oppress black people and really try to honor their rights and respect their rights. Like if we, if they were to really stand up and do that across the board, she was like, it wouldn't just help black people. It would help everybody. And then on the flip side, because when you work so effing hard to oppress us, it, it doesn't just hurt black people. It hurts everybody. It hurts everybody. It hurts everybody. And so, but they're so adamant. I watched the uh, Republican debate. No. Uh, yeah, I, I had to. I, I had to. I had to. I had I mean, to. We all should know both sides. Yeah, I did. But it, I just am disgusted. It, I'm sorry. Continue. No, I I, I watched <laughs> it. You know, um, it, oh my god, it was just so interesting. So a couple of people up there, they they were real careful about their language. It was like some of them were definitely trying to throw Trump under the um under the bus, but some of them were like, I don't want to do that yet because I don't know where I'm gonna end up in this situation and if trump comes up comes, comes up with, back yeah i'm a i'm a need him i don't want him you know i don't want to be on the I, outside. yeah i don't want to be on the outside i don't want to be on his his list of you know right. his shit list so and but that one woman I, I don't remember her name maybe i should i liked her, i liked her approach i like what she was saying but then she kind of came around and said some other really ignorant stuff 
because she she was coming from a different angle and she was coming from an angle where she was it sounded like she was trying to kind of discontinue that that old that what is it the good old boy system you know and let's really focus on these issues and because apparently she's an accountant so she's a math person so she's like what you guys been doing you've been doing it all wrong and i'm here to tell you that and i was like oh okay i was like she throwing stones she was like not you know she wasn't hesitating at all but again she's white and she's and she's white and she so she's gonna i can't trust all of that i have i can't trust all of that because like we were talking about earlier, they are their biggest fans. That was Trump's yeah. biggest fans. And yeah. so w- white women don't normally or generally align with us. No, they don't. And so I hear you saying, I'm going to destroy the good old boy system. But it ain't for me and you. That She's destroying it for white women. Yeah, Because exactly. historically, like from the suffragette movement to any other kind of place where they are supposed to be in allyship, it is it never benefits us we're always out on the so it's just it goes back to that same training that natasha was talking about they know how to do things when it's them when it comes to us it's and i hate the them and us conversation but that ultimately is where we always end up when it comes to us it's a different they never can see how it's the same they talk that Oh, we're gonna break up the good old boy, but it's for you and people who look like you. Yeah. You're breaking it up for the wives of the mm-hmm. good old boys. Mm-hmm. You ain't breaking it up for me. You know. You still fully expect me to stay in my position of subjugation. You know, just real quick, I, I have a patient that um, whenever we talk finances are like really an important thing. Well, I, I should say the economy, and so I could tell that he he supports Republicans, and um. However, I'm trying to ask him, like, tell me if you were in a position, like, what would you do? Because I, 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 in my opinion, I don't really see a shift when anybody's in. I personally don't see a difference in the economy, but I'm, I'm not an economist and I don't do that. I just know the way when I'm navigating my life, I get what I need. Either I'm able to get what I need or I'm not. And I feel like it has nothing to do with who, whoever's in office. office. You see Uh what I'm saying? I've seen it for the first time right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an as a seasoned adult that knows the difference, I see it right now, and I see and it's more prevalent to me right now because I was like, oh, this is what Trump was talking about. Mm-hmm. It's the first time it's ever made a connection with me because when the Republicans are in office, the economy, it's booming. Things aren't expensive. It's not this. I've never really paid that any mm. attention in the past. I've just not. I've been all, always able to afford life, and I move on. But now I'm noticing my car insurance is going up. My homeowner's insurance is going up. But I ain't never filed no claims. I ain't never get no tickets. Right. Why is everything gone so sky high? Why is the grocery bill twice times the price it was? What's going on? Is that so, is that the Democrats ask, or is that corporations? Well, hold on no, a second. But I also because was ask, this is that. And this is why I said I never took note of it before because knowing the way he brought it to light, I never paid attention to it. So I'm just like, did was he saying something and it just went over because it came from him? Right. But if you go back and you look, look at when the Bushes were in office. Mm -hmm. Look at when Reagan was in office. And then look when a Democrat president came along. They always supposedly, the economy is in such a mess. We got to fix it. We got to do this. And then 
it's all this. But that's because they're usually inheriting it from the Republicans. So if they're able to do whatever they do when they're in office, why do the Democrats feel they have to fix it? No, I said because I don't feel. So my belief is that what we're seeing under Republican presidencies is actually policies that have been put in place during Democratic mm-hmm. presidencies. So because the things that they put in place don't come to fruition right away, right? So if you've got a republic, like first, if you've got a particular president in office, I get it. I get it. Right, yeah, okay. It so we're gonna. Sense. That's just my question of of what was put in place before. That's my question. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think that that's kind of what's happening with racism, but we'll we'll move on. Yeah, (laughs) they they need to stop. They do because it's making them look bad. Because every time I get a U.S. Gov poll, what's my biggest problem? Economy and immigration. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's it. Yeah. Um, I would encourage you if you all could. I would like to talk about it. You know, I don't really have anybody to talk about it, but. Um, I know we have to get ready to wrap up, but it was it was an interesting and the, and the in the East Indian guy that that young Mama guy, Swami. yeah, he's a real he seemed like a piece of work. Well, we need to be careful with him, but we will talk about him in the next. Yeah, 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 it's really interesting. But um, I want to thank you. For, you want to say something real quick? Nope, I just want to nope. thank you all for joining us. Um, you know, we kind of freestyle today. I think we we did a pretty decent job. We definitely want to pick up where we left off, so maybe we'll do that in the next in the next uh, podcast. So again, this is Dale Marshall. We have Natasha Marshall. We have Abigail Walcott and we have Kimberly Case. Thank you for joining us. See you next time.